If you would go please to the gospel account of John again. On Friday nights we've been on this series for a few weeks now called In the Spirit. In the Spirit. John 3 and 5 says, Jesus answered and said, Verily I say to you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And verse 6, that which is born of flesh is flesh. When he's talking about born of water, he's talking about being born of flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Just being born into the earth physically does not make you part of the family of God. Does not make you entering into his kingdom and his things. You must be born again, born from above, born a spiritual birth. And this is when you come to the age of knowing right from wrong and can understand it's at different ages for different people, but you can understand the gospel and what Jesus has done for you. If you believe on him and receive him and confess him as Lord of your life, you'll be born again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can anybody testify? Yes. Oh, I remember. Anybody remember when you were born again? You, you should. I remember. I was in junior high. And uh, one of the things that stood out to me, well, I'll just tell you about it a little bit. Uh, my little brother had been in a motorcycle truck collision. His, uh, his little motorbike hit a one-ton truck with a big massive bumper head on. And uh, he was uh, just crushed his face. It did all kind of damage to him. And Nobody, the emergency, the first responders and other people, even at the emergency room, didn't think he would survive. But he kept, he kept living. And they life-flighted him to the nearest bigger town and hospital. And, and uh, we, uh, there was a woman that had come into our life that believed in healing and miracles. And she encouraged us to believe for a miracle. And uh, we, we knew nothing. And my parents didn't go to church at that time. My grandma saw that we were in church. But they weren't going to church. Anyway, it looked hopeless. And the next day, the next afternoon, I was pushing him down the hall in a wheelchair. And, and we were laughing. You talk about a miracle. Talk about a miracle. Well, in a few days, we brought him home. And uh, my grandmother called for us to come to her house, which was close by. My grandmother, godly woman, actually had visions and dreams, and they were God. And uh, she called for us to come. And so my dad, mom, myself, my little brother, we came up there to her house. And she, she was teared up. She said, uh, God has spared our baby. Well, he did. <laughs> she said, I told him that if he would spare our baby, y'all would serve him. Did I lie? 
<laughs> and my dad ducked his head. <laughs> and he wasn't a sissy boy, but he ducked his head. And tears came down. He said, no, ma'am. And I think that was uh, either Friday or Saturday. Sunday morning, we were all in church at, uh, at, at a good Baptist church. And uh, when they gave the altar call, my dad got up and walked down the aisle. And I, so, I thought so much of him, I thought, well, if he needs to go, I probably need to go too. So I got up and followed him to the altar and was born again. Praise God. I had been born of the flesh, but then at that age, I was born of the Spirit. One of the things that was so pronounced to me, I didn't realize it then, but that was Sunday. Well, Monday, we're back in school. I'm in junior high. And uh, I didn't understand it. But people that I didn't like before just seemed fine to me now. And even some teachers that I didn't like. For some reason, I cared about them. See, the love of God had been shed abroad in my heart. I'm a new creation. It's sad that people are not taught what happens to you. Because it's wonderful. And you don't want to ignore it. You want to develop in it. But many, it's sad that many, they ignore it and they're not taught and they don't get their mind renewed and they don't control their flesh and they get back into sin and wrongdoing and the devil convinces them nothing ever happened. It's sad. But a lot of people just go right back into the world and junk when they genuinely were born again. But anyway, by the grace of God, we muddled our way through until we found some other things, and here I am talking to you tonight. But we were born not just of the flesh, but also of the Spirit. In the fourth chapter, if you'd look there, 420. John 420, Jesus said, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour comes when you'll neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. She's basically asking him, who's right, the Samaritans or the Jews, about where you worship? And like we were talking in the offering, with him, especially since the new covenant now, it's not about where. It's not about physically. It's about heart. And he said, uh, You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship. Salvation is of the Jews. The Messiah came through the and is the seed of Abraham. But the hour comes and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. God is a spirit. And uh, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He's not interested in us doing a bunch of things in the flesh. And naturally, he wants things to be done in spirit and in truth. In the 6th chapter, the 63rd verse, John 6, 63, he said, It's the spirit that quickens, Jesus said. The flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Everybody say spirit. Spirit. Is, should we distinguish definitely between spirit and flesh? 
Now, um, look with me in, let me see, let's start like this. Let's go to Isaiah, the 30th chapter. We, we've gone through several characteristics, main characteristics and qualities of the Holy Spirit, learning how to identify Him so as to yield to Him. We've seen the Holy Spirit is the quickening spirit. We've seen he is the liberating spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. We've seen he is the spirit of peace. He's the spirit of grace. He's the spirit of joy. Hallelujah. We want to yield to these things and not the other things. The flesh profits nothing, Jesus said. And things that are of the flesh are dull and dead and lifeless. We don't want to yield to that. We want to yield to quickening in life. Uh, things, wrong things will put you in bondage and, and limit you. The Spirit of God liberates you. Uh, wrong things will lead you to worry and to fear and to be depressed. But the Spirit of God is a spirit of peace and the spirit of joy. We, we want to resist the wrong thing and yield to the right one. And tonight, let's go on to talk about this. The Holy Spirit is also the Spirit of rest. He's the Spirit who brings rest and the Spirit of rest. In Isaiah 30, verse 15, Isaiah 30, verse 15, thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall you be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. And you would not. Now you wouldn't think, back up to verse 15, you wouldn't think that people would say, no, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) But they did. He said, in returning and rest, you'll be saved. In quietness and confidence will be your strength. And they said, no, we're not going to do it that way. In the 32nd chapter, in Isaiah 32, 17, the work of righteousness shall be peace. The effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. And my people, are you his people? My people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation and in sure dwellings. And in quiet resting places. There's supposed to be peace in your house. Your apartment. Wherever you stay. Whatever, wherever your place. There's supposed to be quietness and rest. We live in a loud, busy generation. And that's not good. That's not good. The scripture said, be still and know that I am God. We should have the Spirit's presence manifesting in our places, in our churches, in our homes, in our, any place of work that we have authority over. And uh, the, the angst, the, uh, the fear, the, the anxiety, the strife. The tension is not of God. 
And if you live in that environment, it's going to take a toll on you. It'll weaken your immune system. It'll distract your mind from hearing from God. There's any number of bad things it'll do to you. Read it again. What's supposed to happen with God's people? My people. Are you his people? Shall dwell in what? Peaceable habitations and ensure dwellings and in quiet resting places. If you're yielding to the Spirit of God, you're going to experience peace and rest. If you're experiencing strife and vexation and frustration and fear and angst, you're yielding to some wrong stuff. Yielding to flesh and wrong spirits. We want to put a stop to that. Don't we? Part of your witness is the peace and rest that you live and function in. If you don't function in it, you're being a poor witness to people around about you. If you're just as upset as they are, if you're just as distracted as they are, if you're just as scared as they are, what's the incentive? To come be a Christian like you. What do they gain? You're just as scared as they are. You're just as nervous as them. You're just as upset as they are. No. We have the greater one. Living inside of us. That should make a difference. In our minds. In our bodies. And around us. Our environment. Look in the uh, 63rd chapter of Isaiah. 63.14 As a beast goes down into the valley this would be like you know at nightfall an animal going down to kneel down or lay down for sleep for nighttime. As a beast going down into the valley the spirit of the Lord caused him to rest. So did you lead your people to make yourself a glorious name. Somebody say the spirit of the Lord Caused him to rest. What kind of spirit is he? He's a quickening, life-giving spirit. He's a spirit of peace. He's the spirit of truth. He's the spirit of joy. And he's the spirit that causes you to rest. Thank you, Lord. Living by faith is walking in rest. Living in rest. Had a fellow paid me a high compliment one time. I don't think he was meaning to. But uh, I was working at the healing school there, Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry. This was, oh, pushing 30 years ago now. And uh, he was from another place and he wanted to, he asked them, could he track me throughout the week in healing school because he wanted to see what we did and how we did it. And And they told him he could. So he was my shadow for a week or two. So we got there in the morning and we prayed and, and we studied and we got ready and then we went in and we sang and, and prayed and we had healing class in the morning. We came back and then we had uh, lunch and then we had prayer school and, and we prayed and then we had healing class in the afternoon. By that time it's five, six o'clock time to go home. So we did that for a week. So at the end of the Friday of the week we came in back into my office at the end of the day and, 
I kind of sat down, plopped down, put my Bible aside. He said, Brother Keith. I said, what? He said, if you was any more laid back, you'd be in a coma. <laughs> I said, well, thank you. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that he meant to. I might, maybe I wasn't moving fast enough to suit him on some things. I don't know. Maybe he was used to a much faster pace of what it. But, uh, you know, even if you are moving fast and kicking up a lot of dust, what are you accomplishing? Look back over your trail. And all you're kicking up is dust. What's happening? You can move too slow, but we're not talking about just how quick you move. We're talking about the state of your heart, state of your mind, state of your soul. We're not supposed to be anxious. We're not supposed to be frustrated, afraid, worried, vexed. If we're like this, we're operating like unsaved people. We're not unsaved people. And we're not on our own. And even though we're in this world, we don't have to conform to this world and function like all the unbelievers do. We're supposed to be different. Very different. And this is one of the ways that should stand out. It's hard to shake us. It's hard to move us. Come on, are y'all with me? It's tough to scare us. No matter what. Because we have the Spirit who gives us rest. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Now, if you want to live a long time, And you want to see good days. This is part of it. I had a fellow one time said. uh, He said have you ever noticed at the zoo. He said you go by the lion's cage. And he said they went by. And this lion was pacing. He's pacing back and forth. He's looking like this. He's pacing back and forth. Pacing back and forth. Pacing back and forth. He said okay look at this. He came over and there was a crocodile. He was laying in the slough with one eye closed, one half open. Looked like a log. He said, when that lion's bones are bleached in the sun, this croc will still be here with one eye half closed. (laughs) How many know you can pace yourself to death? You can worry and fret yourself and cut your life short. Of what it should have been. You can't. Many are doing it. Many physical problems. Are the result. Of tension. I don't just mean you were tense for a couple of hours. I mean you've been tense for the last 15 years. And the problem is. You can get used to it. You know you're just. You're touchy. You're jumpy. And. There's a new problem that has been named the last several years, chronic fatigue syndrome. And because we got so many devices, and we got so many channels to watch, (laughs) and we got so much stuff on the internet, people are not sleeping. That alone causes all kind of problems. 
And it ought not be because the scripture says he gives his beloved sleep. Praise God. We're supposed to be able to sleep and have sweet sleep and good rest. It's not okay to not be able to sleep because you're worrying. Not be able to rest because all the stuff you've done and all the stuff you've got to do. It's not okay. It means you're not living by faith. You're living like unsaved people. And you get the same results they do. No. The Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit. Is the Spirit that gives rest. And He's in you. Are you a believer? Have you been born of the Spirit? Then He's in you and He's on you. And He, if we'll allow Him to, if we'll yield to Him instead of yielding to the other stuff, we will experience the peace of God that passes understanding and we will begin to experience some rest that you can't get in a pill. You can't get through a counseling session. You can't get through a bottle. I mean, you can take some drugs until you pass out, but that's not sleep. That's a semi-comatose state. I'm serious. And you won't rest properly. You can be knocked out for a day and wake up more tired than you were, right, before you went in. No, that's not real. Real sleep, real rest, and I'm not just talking about when you're asleep. You can be resting while you're awake, too. There is restoration in rest. Have you noticed the word rest? Rest oration? Restoring is the result of rest. When uh, Lazarus was sick and uh, they sent for Jesus to come. If you look in John, gospel account of John, John chapter 11, John 11, verse 11, Jesus said, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, John 11, 12, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. <laughs> the new King James says, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. Another one says, if he sleeps, he's sure to get better. Talking about taking of rest. Then he had to explain to him, no, he's not just asleep. <laughs> he's, he's gone, but I'm going to go wake him up anyway. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> but there is a principle that if you're able to rest, you're able to recover. Now, this is so vital because many times from the moment somebody receives a bad diagnosis, a bad report, they don't rest from then on. They think, well, I can't. I mean, you know, I'm worried about this. Yes, you can. You can cast the care of that over on the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, yeah, but my kids and and my grandkids. And how much has your worrying and losing sleep helped them? 
How much has it benefited them? It hasn't helped them at all. It may have hurt them. If they're in trouble, if they're not doing well, somebody needs to be believing for them. And if they are, they're not worrying and fretting about it. If you're worrying and fretting about it, you're not in faith. Faith is inseparable from rest. Faith is inseparable from rest. Can I prove it to you? Not saying you don't believe me, but you need to see it in the scripture. In, uh, I'll tell you what, on our way to Hebrews, stop by Acts 2. We're going to Hebrews 3, but on your way, stop by Acts 2. Acts 2.26, you'll see this revelation. The scripture said this was a prophecy that was spoken long time before Jesus ever went to the cross, but it was fulfilled there, but it's still true today. He said, therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall what? Rest, Rest in what? Hope. Hope is the product of faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, anybody remember what it says? Now faith is the substance, or you could say the ground, the assurance, the confidence of things what? Hoped for. If you're in faith, you're also in hope. Hope literally means confident, favorable expectation. One definition says this, hope is the happy anticipation of good. Hope is the happy anticipation, we might say, of something good. Why would I be in happy anticipation of something good? Because I'm in faith. Because I have faith, it is the the ground and assurance of my hope, my expectation. And he said, my flesh shall rest in hope. When I'm in faith and I'm confidently expecting good, I can rest. My flesh can rest. When you're not resting on the inside, You're not resting on the outside either. You can lay around and do nothing. But if you're worrying and fretting and upset, your flesh is not resting. It may be inactive, but it's not resting. It can't rest. Your heart can't rest. Your brain can't rest. Your organs, your glands, your joints, your bones can't rest. As long as the inner man is filled with anxiety. And the mind is filled with fear. But when you're settled, you're fully persuaded, you're in faith. God's heard your prayer. He's granted your request. You believe you receive. Your flesh can rest in the confident expectation. Hallelujah. That everything. 
is going to be all right and better than that. If not, if you're all tied up in knots, nervous, anxious, you've not yet chosen to believe. Still not in faith. We've all been there, but let's don't stay there, right? Let's quit doing things and yielding to things that's wearing us out before our time, that's interfering with our quality of life. My dad used to tell me, he said, son, don't sweat the small stuff. That's good counsel. (laughs) And then the next revelation is most of it is small stuff. (laughs) Heard a famous athlete one time. He said, he said, I don't worry about the things I can do something about because I can do something about them. He said, nor do I worry about the things I can't do anything about because I can't do anything about <laughs> Well, if you don't worry about those two, you just don't worry. Didn't, aren't we told in the Bible, be careful, anxious about nothing? Didn't he say that? Didn't he say casting all your cares over on him because he cares for you? Didn't he say, take no thought for the morrow? Didn't he say it? Should we take him seriously? Does he expect us to actually do this? He does. He does. The thing is, doing the other stuff doesn't help one bit. It just makes everything worse. You never paid a bill by worrying and losing sleep. You, You never helped your child or grandchild. By worrying and feeling sick and being anxious. Not one. You could help them by getting in faith. But that's going to mean resting. (laughs) Resting while others are upset and mad and cussing. Resting while others are anxious and scared out of their wits. Resting. How can you do that? Because you're looking at something else. You're looking at someone else. How they're looking at the problem. They're looking at the need. They're looking at the attack. They're looking at loss. You're not looking at that. You're not looking at the things that are seen. You're looking at the things that are not seen. You're not walking by sight. You're walking by faith. And focusing on him. You can go. Ha. Ah, I'm leaning back. On the everlasting arms. Praise God. Hallelujah. I got the greater one in me. I got the peace that passes understanding. Keeping my heart and keeping my mind. Faith doesn't worry. Period. Help me out, saints. Faith doesn't worry. Period. No no exceptions. No, yeah, but, and what about, yeah, but you can't. Faith doesn't worry. It just does not. If you're worrying, you're not in faith. The Lord said, don't let your heart be troubled. Didn't he say it? Don't let it be afraid. He said, 
peace, my peace I'm giving to you. Not like the world gives. You can't find this in the world. Don't let your heart be troubled. Well, if he said don't let it be troubled, that means you have the power and ability with his help to not let it be troubled. It's a choice. The devil will tell you you can't help it. The devil will tell you this is not real. You can't live like this. He's a liar. I said he's a liar. You will be tempted. to. I'm not telling you you won't be. You will be tempted to fear. But you need to pass up every opportunity to get upset and vexed and worry. You just need to say no, no, I'm not going to do that. Nope. I'm yielding to the spirit that causes you to rest. I'm yielding to the peace. Oh, somebody say peace. peace. This peace is more powerful than any drug. It's more powerful than any substance, anything you could try to do to calm your mind or your being. This peace, it passes understanding. You can function in a way that people look at you and they go, how do you do it? Are you just poor thing? They just don't even know what's going on, do they? (laughs) No, you've just chosen not to yield to stuff that's going to hurt you and interfere with your victory. You've chosen to actually do what the Bible told you to do. Cast all your cares over on him. Lay down and say, thank you, Lord. He gives his beloved sleep. And oh, man, sleep, sleep, wonderful sleep. And your minds, your brains getting renewed and your heart's resting and your lungs are resting and your glands are resting and and you can actually be renewed and reinvigorated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because if you can rest on the inside, You can rest on the outside. That's the only way it works. Can't separate the inner man from the outer man. They are connected. Look with me. In uh, well, let me let me remind you of our scripture here. He said, "My flesh shall rest in hope." If you're in hope, it allows your flesh to rest. Hebrews, the third chapter. Are you going there now? Jesus told his disciples when they went into a new town, a new village, and somebody agreed to let them stay with them, because back then they didn't have hotels, and motels, all this stuff. You either stayed outside or you stayed with somebody. And he said, if somebody receives you, he said, this is what you do when you go in there. You say, peace be to this house. And he said, if there is a son of peace there, what does that mean? Basically, somebody that will receive it. Then he said, your peace will rest on that house. He said, if not, it'll return to you. It'll come back to you. This is not just a little hi, how are y'all? Thanks for having me. This is something spiritual that is released, that settles on the house. And if folks don't receive it, it comes back to you. How many believe the peace of God is real? It's tangible. It's a force. It's a spiritual substance. That's why we don't need pills. 
to calm us down. We don't need chemical help to try to find some peace. You'll never find peace with chemicals. You might knock yourself out, but that don't mean you're resting. It's not the same thing. No, you don't have to. Now, if, you, if you've been going down that road a long time and your body's used to it, you know, may need some help. The Lord can help you. But you can get totally free. Amen. Somebody needs to say it out loud. I don't have to have it. I don't have to have it. You got something far beyond pharmaceuticals. How many believe the... If he says, say, peace on this place... And he said, if they'll receive it, it'll come on them. If not, it's going to come back. Is this something real? This is something tangible. Not just an idea. And he said, this peace of God passes understanding. You you can't figure out how it does what it does. It's so wonderful. It's so amazing. You can be in situations where people could just lose their mind because it's so bad. And the peace of God come on you and it's like you're in a cocoon. You're not happy about the bad stuff that's happened, but you are getting the big picture. I asked the Lord some years ago because it was troubling me seeing all the pain and problems in the world. And I thought, well, if that bothers me, how about the Father? I mean, all genuine love comes from Him. Nobody cares more than Him. And I said, Father... How do you tolerate the pain and the cruelty in this earth? How do you tolerate it? He answered me immediately. He said, son, it's very brief. That was his answer to me. It's very brief. It's over, from his perspective, it's over like that. That's how he tolerates it. And pretty soon, it's all going to be done for good. It's going to be new heavens, new earth, no curse. Somebody say glory to God. Glory. Are you looking forward to that? But the reason I bring it up, you and I can have that same divine heavenly perspective. Instead, you know, I was dealing, helping somebody the other day and they were going through a really rough time and, you know, they were just at the point of wanting to give up and quit everything. And, and uh, I mentioned to him, I said, uh, it's never as bad as the devil makes it out to be. He always tries to convince you this is the end of the world. This is the end of your life as you know it. The end. You might as well give up and quit now. It's, the, it's never even close to as bad as the devil tries to convince you than it is. The truth is, God can take even the most horrible things that the devil meant for evil, and he can turn it on its head, is that right? And and cause something to work out good for you, can't he? Nothing's too hard, nothing's too impossible. He always causes us to triumph. But if you lay down and believe all that, you'll be destroyed. But even in the midst of some awful stuff, 
the peace of God can come on you. And you can say, this is just for a moment. (laughs) Is that right? This is just for a moment. And the rough stuff now is not even worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. And I got the greater one inside me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He will never let me down. I like to say like Paul said, none of these things move me. That'll get you through some tight places. Come on, try it out loud. Somebody needs to say it. None of these things move me. None of these things move me. Well, there has to be something going on or you wouldn't have to say none of these things. So there's some things. (laughs) That's not nice, not fun, but they don't move me. I can be in rest. I can be in rest facing death. Can't I? I mean breathing my last. I don't have to freak out. I don't have to, you know, be tortured with fear of the unknown. I know somebody on the other side. (laughs) I know a lot of people on the other side. (laughs) And I'm not going down. I'm not going worse. The Bible said it's better. Better, far better to depart and be with Christ. If I can face death and not even be scared, I can face anything in this life. Right? And maintain peace. Oh, you'll be tempted and your flesh, if your flesh starts going that way, just grab yourself and go, no, uh uh-uh, no, 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 no. I don't have to do this. And if you grew up around fear and constant worry and you've practiced it for years, well, you've trained yourself to yield to it and talk to it, but you can retrain yourself. I don't know if you can teach an old dog. You ain't an old dog. And this ain't a trick. <laughs> you are a new creature. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus and you can change You can change so much, it can be a wonderful testimony to people who knew you and how nervous you used to be and how quick and easily you were shaken and upset and they see you how solid and peaceful and at rest you are now. They'll go, there must be a God. (laughs) Hebrews 3, are you there? Let's look at the Young's literal translation. It doesn't read the easiest, but it's very accurate. I like accuracy, don't you? When you talk about the Word of God, beware of a lot of these modern translations because they are not translations. They're not true translations. They're paraphrases. They're not telling you. They're not trying to translate from the original language to the English. They're telling you what they think it means. Even some of the real popular modern translations, beware of that. Because we build our lives on the Word of God, not somebody's idea about it. It said, to whom did he swear that they shall not enter into his rest except to those who did not believe? Verse 19, we see that they were not able to enter in because of unbelief. Now he's talking about the Israelites 
who were delivered supernaturally through the signs and wonders out of Egyptian bondage. And that first generation in Numbers 13 and 14, they got to the border of the land that the Lord had said he picked out for them, the land that flowed with milk and honey, the promised land. And they sent spies into the land. He said, go find out what kind of land it is. What kind of people's there? Go find out some things. And so they did. And after 40 days, they came back and brought word. But that first generation did not go into the promised land. They all died in the wilderness. And their children, the next generation, went into the promised land. And Hebrews is telling us why they didn't get in. What kept them out? Now they were convinced it was the walled cities, it was the iron chariots, it was the giants. But that wasn't true. We know it wasn't true because the next generation went in. Same walls were still there. Same iron chariots, the same giants. So if it didn't keep them out, it wouldn't, didn't have to keep the other people out. What kept them out? They couldn't enter into rest Because of unbelief. The thing that kept them out of rest. Kept them out of the promised land. The thing that kept them out of rest. Kept them out of what God had given them. They should have been more concerned. About unbelief than they were giants. Because in the end. Did the giants kill them? No. Did the walled cities kill them? Did the iron chariots? They died out in the desert. The wilderness got them. Why? Because of unbelief. Unbelief prevented them from resting. In the fourth chapter, let's keep reading. We may read this, this whole chapter. 4.1, Hebrews 4.1. We may fear then lest the promise being left of entering into his rest, any of you seem to come, have come short. For we also are having good news proclaimed, even as they, but the word heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard. For we do enter into rest, we who did believe. When you get in faith, you get in rest. When you get in rest, you get in your blessings. You get in the provision. As he said, so I swear in my anger if they'll enter into my rest. And yet the works were done from the foundation of the world. What works? That they, the first generation that died in the wilderness, the works were done from the foundation of the world for them to go in the promised land. No way, no how was it God's will that that first generation died in the desert. God had prepared not just a few hundred years before from the foundation of the world. He had planned on them going in. And yet none of them did. Their kids did. What kept them out? What is strong enough And devastating enough to prevent the will of God. The plan of God. From happening in your life. I know a lot of people don't believe this. But I don't know if they can read or not. 
Were the works done from the foundation of the world for them to go in? Did they go in? No. So you can't say it wasn't God's will for them to go in. It was his plan. Verse 4. He spoke in a certain place concerning the seventh day. And God did rest in the seventh day from all his works. Rest is so important. It is such a big deal. That from the very beginning of creation. God himself rested. And then set aside the seventh day. That would be our today our Saturday. Now. You don't keep the Sabbath to make yourself acceptable to God. But if it was a good idea before the law, it's still a good idea to have a day of rest where you actually rest. You know, I'm getting looks all across the crowd. Doing work on the place is not resting. Doing all your housework is not resting. The Lord knows we need rest. A lot of things you won't see. I know Phyllis and I, in the early days of the ministry, for, I don't know, 10, 15 years, first 10 or 15 years, we barely looked up. We were going night and day, thought that's what you're supposed to do. And uh, the Lord dealt with us that we needed to play some. And not just go nonstop. We needed to rest somehow. Well, some friends of ours, we went in with them and bought this tiny little shack on the lake. And it was right on the lake. And so when we could, we'd go up there and we took two weeks off. Hadn't done that in, man, I don't know, 10, 15 years. And uh, I was laying on that, there was a boat dock out there. And we had some little toys we played with, jet skis and stuff, a little boat. And uh, boy, for the next, I don't know, four or five years, we knocked some water out of that lake, buddy. We, it was great. <laughs> Did the Lord tell the disciples on more than one occasion, come apart and rest? Did he tell them that? He did. Come apart and rest. There's numerous reasons why. But in the second week, I was in the middle of the second week, and I was just laying out there on that little dock. Nobody was around. The little waves were slapping up against real gently. And I realized I hadn't thought about a single thing in the last uh, 20 minutes. Phyllis has a little sign that says, uh, it shows us, uh, you know, it says sometimes, talking about being on the beach, which we hadn't been in a while said, uh, sometimes I sits and thinks. Sometimes I just sits. <laughs> and so I had gotten to the place where I wasn't laying and thinking. I just lay it. And for the first time in two weeks, I was beginning to relax. I didn't realize how tight I was wound. Going nonstop. You don't, you don't realize it because it happened over months and years. And that would be not having a day of rest every week. Not knowing how to rest. We live in a busy, loud world. 
Don't we? Voices, all kind of junk going on. And a lot of folks never rest. That's why they're chronically fatigued. They don't rest when they get home. They don't separate work from rest enough and home and, and family. It's all mixed together. It's night and day. It's nonstop. And people think that's great because you're a mover and a shaker. Well, not for long you won't be. Because you are burning the candle at both ends. And, you, and no doubt, if when you're doing that, you're doing a bunch of stuff the Lord didn't tell you to do. And it's wearing you. But we don't have to. Read it again. He said, uh, God did rest in the seventh day from all his works. You know, if it's good enough for him. What do you think? Anybody? Yes. If he said, I'm going to take the day off. <laughs> the Almighty, who never gets weary, who never faints, he said, everybody, I'm taking the day off. <laughs> I am resting from all my works. And in fact, I like this so much, I'm making it a decree and a commandment. Everybody observes taking this day off. Praise God. Numerous things talk about it in the scripture. Keep, keep going, verse 5. In this place, he said, if they shall enter into my rest... Since then it remains for certain to enter in. Those who did first hear the good news didn't enter in. Why? Unbelief. The unbelief kept them out of the rest. The rest kept them out of the promised land. It remains for certain to enter into it. Those that did first hear good news entered not because of unbelief. Keep going. Again he limits a certain time saying today... Uh, and David says after so long a time, as it's been said today, if you'll hear his voice, that you may not harden your hearts. Now, here is the thing. I won't take time to go into it, I don't think. But if you'll take the time to go back to Numbers and read chapter 13 and 14 carefully, you'll see, oh, go there. <laughs> Hold your place in Hebrews. Go to Numbers 13.30. After all, how rushed and pressed are we? Talking about rest. Might as well practice what we're teaching. Give you an opportunity. Right? To bring it back down to idle. Numbers 13.30. They came back from spying out the land. And they told them. They said. Uh, yeah it's wonderful. Look at all these grapes. But. There's the biggest people you ever seen in your life over there. They can squash you. With one foot. And the cities. Giant walls. You could never get over. On and on. And Caleb said, now hush, hush. Everybody hush. <laughs> I mean, learn a lesson here. When people start talking about how bad the problem is, what do you need to start saying? Hush, hush. We've heard enough about that. He stilled the people before Moses. He said, let us go up at once and possess it. 
For we are well able to overcome it. Now look at the next one. The men that went up with him said, we be not able to go against the people. Now here, here is the spirit of unbelief that can keep you out of the rest. We can't. I know I can't. He said, we can do it. Let's go. They said, "Uh uh-uh, you're wrong. We can't. They brought up an evil report. Numbers 14, verse 7. 14, 7, they they spoke to the company of the sons of Israel. They said, the land into which we passed over to spot, it's a very, very good land. If Jehovah's delighted in us, then he's brought us to this land and he's given it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Was that exactly what the Lord had told them? That's what you should be believing. Only against Jehovah rebel not ye. Now, did you hear this word rebel? Here's the thing that's subtle in people's eyes. This I can't. Even what we're talking about. I can't help it to worry. I can't help it. That's my baby. And that's what parents do. A lot of people believe if you love, you worry. To not worry means you don't care. So they just completely reject all these scriptures we've talked about tonight. They say, I don't care. I know I can't do that. This is not simple. They they didn't say it in a sweet voice. Well, I, I don't think, they didn't say, I don't think I can. They said, we can't. Now shut up or we're going to stone you. Do not tell us one more time that we can. This the Bible calls an evil heart of unbelief. It's not simple, innocent, I don't think I can. It's rebellion against the word of the Lord. And it kept them out of the promised land, the land that flowed with milk and honey, having their own houses, having their own vineyards, having their own flocks and herds. They'd been slaves. They owned nothing. The Lord's plan was for them to go in there and be wealthy and free, have their own estates, have their own businesses. Come on, are you listening? That was the will of God. And they enjoyed none of it. Because of the anxiety, they couldn't rest because of the giants and because of the walls and because of the iron chariots. Nothing has changed where faith is concerned today. You can think about the diagnosis. All day long and all night long. You can think about your symptoms. You can think about the bills. You can think about the other. And if somebody says, come on now, get that off your mind, you can get mad. Well, it ain't you dealing with it. That's not innocent. That's you refusing to believe and refusing to enter into rest. And so you'll be held out of the blessing. Serious stuff. It's not innocent. I can't. Did you hear me? I, I cannot. You don't, you don't know what I'm feeling. 
Well, maybe you ought not be feeling it. Maybe you hadn't been yielding to this for the last three weeks. You wouldn't be in this state of mind. I can't. I can't help it. Yes, you can. You just choose not to. Now, this is not politically correct. But this is Bible. Did he coddle them? Huh? Bless your heart. I know you can't. I, you know. I understand. No. He said, how long will it be before they believe me? They've seen all these miracles in Egypt. And here we are. It's time to go in. It's time to get your ranch. It's time to get your vineyard. It's time to get houses you didn't build. Wells you didn't dig. Vineyards and orchards you didn't plant. We're talking about walking into abundance and wealth beyond what you've ever dreamed. And they said, well, we can't. We know we can't. Can you hear the anxiety, the angst? No rest. Because won't believe. And if there's no rest, you can't enter in. They, they were not able to enter in, Hebrews 3 and 4 both said, because of the unbelief. The unbelief kept them out of the rest. The rest kept them out of the promised land. And it wasn't innocent. It was defiance. I mean, they were murderous about it. They got ready to stone Joshua and Caleb because they kept telling them, we can, come on now, you can do this. Come on, don't be scared. Come on. Come on, we're here. It's right there. God's with us. He brought us this far. Come on, we can do it. Come on. Caleb said, we are well able to do it. We're well able to do it. And they said, we are not. Have you ever heard the angst of, I can't. I can't. I can't. Shut up. Leave me alone. I can't do it. Don't you understand? Yeah, we understand that you are being robbed. Not that you can't overcome it. Not that God couldn't do a miracle. But you won't be able to enter into the blessing because won't enter into rest. When you get in faith, you quit screaming, I can't. When you get into faith, you cast the care of it, how to do it over on the Lord. And you start saying things like, all things are possible to him that believes. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. They screamed, we can't. And they couldn't. And they perished out there. And the Lord said, this whole generation that has refused to believe me, they're going to die out in the wilderness except for <laughs> Caleb. Now Joshua was part of the leadership, so he, he, he didn't name him, but, but later it said both of them, Joshua and Caleb, but he singled out Caleb. He was the only one in the bunch. And when all them we're gone. These pacers, these warriors, these screamers of I can't, 
when their bones were bleaching in the desert. Caleb was still going. Hallelujah. Rejoicing. Resting at the campfire. Talking to Joshua when he's 75 and 6 and 7 and 8 and 9. Saying, man, you remember that mountain over there? You remember those orchards over there? You see that big house? I'm not with the big one. The big white one, you know? That's, that's my house, man. You you remember the orchard? You remember? Oh, that's a good place for cows over there. Good place for goats over there. Good place for camels over there. And when he was 80 years old and all the rest of them had died out, he came to Joshua. He said, come on, come on. It's time. Finally. It's time. Give me this. He said, I'm 80 years old today and I want my birthday present. He said, I want you to know. I'm 80, but I'm as good a man as I was 40 years ago to go out and come in. Give me my mountain. (laughs) Joshua said, well, go get it, boy. And he did. Oh, why? Because he did accept and rest in it and trust in it. No matter what other people did for 40 years. And he saw it come to pass in his life. No more scream, I can't. Enter in to the rest. Somebody say the rest. The rest. The rest. The rest rest of faith. When you get into faith, you get into rest. And that allows you to enter in. Nothing could keep them out. Of the promised land. Not the giants. Not the iron chariots. Not the walls. When they got into faith and got into rest. Nothing could keep them out. All the devil lies. The devil screams. But he's a defeated foe. When I was in the healing school that I mentioned earlier. The Lord had dealed me to teach on fighting a good fight of faith. 1 Timothy 6, 12 I believe it is. Fight. The good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. So man, I'd preach on that. Then in a week or two, I'd get over here in Hebrews and go, rest. We, we, uh, we which I've believed do enter into rest. See, rest. So you got to rest. You got to rest. Rest. And, and then one, one, one time I caught myself. I had just got through preaching on fight. And now I'm talking about resting. And I thought, hold on now. Are we fighting? Are we resting? I thought I better get this. This I can see how this could be confusing to somebody listening to me. Well, are we fighting? Are we resting? Which one are we doing? I said, Lord, how do I how do I reconcile these? How do I talk about these? I know they're both right. They're both scriptures. How do we understand this? And I saw it clearly. Hebrews four. He said, Let, let me keep reading. Verse. Uh, Go ahead to verse 8. If Joshua had given them rest, he would not, concerning another day, have spoken of these things. Keep going. There remains then a sabbatic rest to the people of God. He's talking about us. Us now. There remains a sabbatic rest to the people of God. It is the life of faith. It is the walk of faith. It is resting in the finished work. Of the cross. Hallelujah. 
and of the resurrection. Keep going. For he who did enter into his rest, he also rested from his works as God from his own. May we be diligent then to enter into that rest that no one in the same example of unbelief may fall. Notice what he did. Rested from their works. And you got to be diligent to do what? To get into the rest. That's where the fight comes in. Diligent means you're exercising something. What? The fight is to get in the rest. And once you're in the rest, to stay in the rest. That's where the good fight of faith comes in. Because all kind of stuff will try to keep you out of rest. And even after you get in rest, all kind of stuff will try to get you out. Get you out of it. Get you back into fear, fretting, anxiety, worry, scared. But the good fight is to push past everything and over everything and get into ha. How you doing? Oh man, I am the healed of the Lord. I am the free delivered of the Lord. I am the blessed of the Lord. I am the victorious of the Lord. Right? All my needs are met. Call all my bills paid. Is that right? I'm strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. And just about time you get settled into that. It may be the next day. Something will come along and boom. And says no you're not. No you're not. Symptoms. Feelings. All kind of things. And if you let it. It will push you out of rest. And you get back into fear and anxiety. You got to get a hold of yourself and say. Oh yes I am. Fear I resist you. Anxiety I resist you. I am in the rest and I am remaining in the rest hallelujah, hallelujah. hallelujah. victory is mine yes. victory is mine healing is mine yes. provision is mine yes. freedom is mine yes. not trying to get it see that's, that's the thing if, you, if you're always trying to get it not in rest you got to cease from your works and rest in his finished works. Got to get my healing. Got to get my healing. No, you don't. He already got it. He's already got it. I got, I got to get it. No, you don't got to get it. You got to quit trying to get it. Believe you got it. <laughs> the good fight of faith is to get in the rest and then to stay there. To remain in the rest. Praise God. Can you say amen? amen? Matthew 11 said, Jesus said, come to me. All you that labor and are heavy laden. What did he say? I will give you rest. That must be his will. Is it his will for us to be all loaded up? No, huh? I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart. You'll find rest. You'll find what? Rest. Rest. Unto your souls. For my yoke is easy. 
and my burden is light. Praise God. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.